Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey guys, check out Logos Bible Software. You know, you're planting a church, you're trying to get everything ready every week. You're carrying a lot of the burden. Now, hopefully you've been practicing team leadership, but no one can prep your sermon for you. But Logos Bible Software is there to help you. Puts all the tools you need at your fingertips. It's got the concordance. It's got word studies. You can look at the original language. You can get all different types of suites. You can get ones that are scholar level, preacher level, pastor level. And you just go to Logos Bible Software at Logos.com. Sir, a little little delay there in the old uh, Chewbacca. Yeah, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth. You know, it's funny. I saw a clip this week of that horrible Star Wars movie that everybody talks about. The only redeeming thing about that was Boba Fett first appeared in a cartoon, but it was the uh, holiday Christmas special. And they've got like baby Wookiees. Do you remember that? I, You know, ironically, not until doing this podcast do I ever remember seeing that. I remember <laughs> the specials. Like, you remember those specials where they went to the Ewok planet and, and yes. Endor and that those I remembered, but not the and they Christmas were terrible. special. I mean, those were terrible. They were. Like you, I will put them on the level as the Last Jedi. So I bet you millennials will like them. Yeah, probably. You know, it's cutesy. It's like that. You know, it's funny. Those porgs, those little animals that they made on Last Jedi. Uh-huh. They're kind of like porgs, but uh, I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's it's all this like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that bad in the presentation. You know what's kind of interesting is right now I'm staring out my window onto my patio and I'm looking at the light fixture light fixture that we have on our uh, overhang 
and it's literally pouring water inside of it from one of the screw holes. I'm thinking that can't be good. That's that's where all the power is. That's where all the electricity is. I'm over here trying not to cough. And uh, this guy's welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. You're in Smack Talk right now. Welcome this to is the part podcast. Where we screw around. Welcome to the podcast. We'd <laughs> like to have some some drinks on St. Patty's Day with our podcast. <laughs> nice to have you on here. It is. We should yeah, do yeah. it. We should do it all Irish one time. Just it's the all Irish episode. All right. So on St. Patrick's Day, that's going to happen. What We're did gonna... you think of the meme I sent you? When it said cannibalism, and it's a redhead drinking, oh my gosh. drinking a can of Canada Dry, and then out down at the bottom it says "made with real ginger." <laughs> <laughs> and the girl, she's got red hair. She looks at the label, and she gets this look of disgust. Like, See, and here's the thing about us gingers: I couldn't tell if it was a girl or a guy with long hair. I was like, <laughs> I I don't know which way that is. I I don't know what's going on there. Well, don't don't genders reproduce like not like the rest of the world? Like there's some like you touch you touch your heads or something, and some magic happens, and then suddenly nine months later, a gender is born. As a general rule, we don't have souls, and <laughs> we're actually um, we, we've been known to be toxic. <clears throat> And and actually kill people just by touch. So, we, well, we kinda, we remember kinda... your your blood was used as a poison in the Middle Ages. And uh, again, I was starting to say earlier, if you've come to the Church Planner podcast and you're like, "What in the heck is this? This isn't about church planning." Give it about twenty more minutes, and we'll get there. <laughs> wait, wait, this isn't about church planning. Got us. <laughs> Got it. It's it's about life people so pete what's been going on i mean it's been a low drama week for me i mean you know not a lot going on what's going on for you man well besides the water uh uh, leaking into my my light fixture um yesterday was really an interesting day so 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 real quick everyone this could be a very important podcast this could be the last podcast pete's on so by the time this probably like goes to air on Monday, when you're listening to this, Pete could be dead. I could be. I really want to flip on the light switch, too, just to see what happens with all that water. <laughs> it's like, I'm not the guy who should be owning a home. I, I, but anyway, so uh, yesterday was interesting. My uh, One of my partners and I, we had to fly to Fresno uh, to speak in front of a group of about 200 people. And then we were flying back from Fresno. Same day. And so she shows up at my house at 7 a.m. We have to fly out of LAX. And you know how bad that airport is. I mean, oh, it's yeah, dude. The worst. But I mean, who drives, who flies to Fresno? I mean, the only airport right. around here is LAX. So because it's raining so hard, and for those of you who are in other parts of the country, you just don't understand what it's like when it rains in Southern California. No one here knows how to drive in the rain at all because we don't deal with rain. People lose their ever freaking minds. Yeah, it's it's just forget about it. So from my house to the LAX airport, which is, uh, you know, 25 miles, 26 miles, took us two hours. All like ways had us do all side streets pretty much the whole way. We finally get to the airport. 
and neither one of us have an umbrella and it's pouring right and she's a typical woman where it's like oh my hair my hair so i'm like look i'm not parking on the roof on one of the parking structures i'm parking you know underneath some cover here and literally two parking structures not a single spot open except for the roof <laughs> so wow clearly we weren't the only ones who had that thought so i have to park on the roof i drop her off at the elevator and i have to like go park at the very back of the roof to find a spot right whatever okay get in then we get to uh our gate and LAX, if you're on one of these little commuter flights, there's a special terminal away from the main terminals. So, like, if you're at gate 50, you're cool. 51, you're cool. 53, right. you're cool. 54, you're cool. But if you're 52, right in the middle, it's actually a bus stop. So, if you're at gate right. 52, they put you on a bus and take you to a whole other part of the airport that you can only get to on the bus. And they're like literally dodging aircraft on the bus the whole way. They get you there. <laughs> they are. That's true. It, it is what they're doing. They get go, you there. Go, go, go. So we, we get to the, and it's like, there's another, I don't know, like 15, 16 gates there. They're like 52A, 52B, 52C. It's like, this is, this is 52. And we're waiting. Our plane is supposed to leave at, I think it was like 10, 10. So we left my house at seven knowing that traffic was going to be horrid. So wasn't worried about it. I mean, we got there at like nine, but it was like, all right, not a biggie. And then it comes delay. Number one. Oh, then delay. Number two, then delay. Number three. Now our meeting is at two o'clock. We were supposed to land at noon. Oh man. We ended up, landing and getting to the place that we were speaking at at uh, 310. Oh, dang. So we were late by an hour and 10 minutes. Now we kept we kept our our partners in the know the whole way. Right. But I mean, we lost half the crowd, right? Cuz they're like whatever, it's an hour late. And they got other things to do and I don't blame them at all. And uh, and then so as soon as we're done, you know, everyone's like, oh, can we take you to dinner? And our general rule of thumb is no. <laughs> like, we don't want to hang out with y'all. We want right. to go home. This is work to us. This isn't fun. So they're like, oh, but your plane's not until 7.10. And then I start getting notifications. Plane delayed. Plane delayed. Oh, and I knew that was going to happen, right? So we get to the airport. And we're standing there. And I see... There is a plane flying to LAX. It was scheduled to leave at 4.15, but had been delayed all the way till 7. And so we're like, hey, can you switch us? Can you get us on that plane? And I think because we were so cool to that guy and the guy before us was a total jerk. He totally hooked us up, man. And so, and then of course it still kept getting delayed, but it was like a four fifteen flight that now wasn't taken off till seven o'clock. So you knew it was like, even though it it kept getting delayed, it was better than being on the other plane, which still had another three four hour delay <laughs> ahead of it. Oh, the train. That's so funny. I missed the train. So yeah. we finally we get on the plane. We're like, yes, we made it. 
And as soon as we get on the plane, the pilot comes on the speaker. Yeah, LAX isn't letting us take off yet. Uh, so we've got to sit here for, <laughs> you know, like another 10 minutes. So then we're like, oh, just get us out of here. And then <laughs> I kid you not, man. It's so it's such a short flight. Like it's literally 40 minutes in the air from Fresno to LAX. So at the 20 minute mark, the pilot comes on the speaker. Hey, we're starting our initial descent. You got to clean everything up. And uh, my partner, Debbie, she looks at me and she goes, I feel like I've been on a plane for 14 hours. I'm like, it's been 20 minutes, man. I mean, <laughs> But it was like such a bad day, you know, by that point, it just was the end of the world. And then again, we land at that freaking terminal gate 52. So it took another half hour to get a bus because the bus drivers were like, Oh, we're going on break now. So the line was like backing up in the terminal because all the bus drivers were taking their breaks. So we didn't, I didn't get home till nine 30, but at least all I got home at nine 30. Taking their breaks. That's awesome. I know. Right. I know. They're like, ah, we don't care. So what if you guys got a connecting <laughs> flight? We're out of here. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So, but just so getting out. I, I was like, dude, seriously, can I pick up an Uber here at the terminal? Take me to the other terminal, Mr. Uber driver. You can dodge the That's airplanes. Hilarious. I know you can. So that was my excitement yesterday, man, was uh, the fun of traveling to Fresno from LAX on a rainy day. That's hilarious. Which I will say, the Fresno airport was actually really cool looking. Have you been to that airport? Um, Have I been to Fresno? I might have. I know I've been to... Um... It's the Yosemite airport. It's like, uh, I guess everyone flies in there to who's going to Yosemite. And so they got oh, really? all these giant... Fake sequoias in there, but it's like it's no, really I cool. I've been to that one. I've been to. I must have been to Bakersfield or something. Yeah, well, which was surprisingly okay. You know? Bakersfield isn't exactly high on the list of. Uh, it, it's uh, neither is Fresno really. Oh, but, not mean, at all. It's higher, not at higher, all. Higher than higher than Bakersfield for sure. The only redeeming thing about the Fresno Airport is apparently that's where you got to fly if you're going to Yosemite from a place where you got to fly from. Huh. As opposed to just driving. That's funny. Yeah. So so that, that was our deal. That was our deal. That was our endeavor yesterday. And I think we sold enough to cover our airfare, <laughs> which kind of was like oh. injury to insult. But what do you expect? Half the people left. I mean, it's like, I get it. They're they're upset. They're done. So Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. Well, dude, I don't. I don't have a lot. I mean, I got hot water last Thursday, so I can take showers now. I um, just had my painter finish today, which was cool. You know, he finished. Nice. Um, electrician comes this afternoon, and then I'm done, dude. I'm going to go look at your house and be like, yeah, it doesn't look any different than before you had all the work done, aren't I? Oh, dude. No. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. My house is – you won't recognize it when you come inside. You're really? Like, what in the hell? Oh, dude. Walls are, it's an open plan now. I mean, we're like Charlie Bucket in the back room. You know, the kids' playroom is now our bedroom, makeshift. And uh, it's kind of like our toes are touching. Like, if you ever seen Charlie Bucket, you got like two mattresses in there. <laughs> kids are one on one end of the playroom. We're in the other end, you know, and it's mattress on the floor, not even a bed, it, like a proper bed set up. It's, it's just kind of like, yeah, we're roughing it till that next part's done now. This was not the plan. What was the next part? Or are you just the next mean- part's our bedrooms. 
So you're not done when the electrician comes? No, we're done with this phase. So we actually have a kitchen, we have showers, we have a place to sleep. We've got, you know, got all the amenities now. So this part's done. We'll enjoy it for a little bit and then we'll tear down the garage and start all over again. But we'll have a cocoon to retreat into. You're tearing down the garage? Yeah, we're going to tear it down. What are you going to put there? Another garage. (laughs) With rooms over top of it. That's cool. You can do that where you live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's almost taken funny enough, all these delays, it's almost taken that long to get through coastal commission planning. So people don't realize if you live by the beach, you can't just do what you can do in the rest of America. Right. Um, no, you're, you're by the coast. So there's like a new form of fascism that you have to, to deal with. Oh, you live by the beach. Oh, well, you know, we all care about the beach, so you can't do whatever you want with your house. You have to you have to follow these beach rules. And then this committee of special beach experts will look at your house because it's close to the beach and tell you if what you're doing is good for the beach. Yeah, but you're not exactly on the water. Like that's stupid. I'm not. No, but I'm in I'm in the beach zone, which basically means the council gets more money. Oh, of course. That's that's what it really means. Oh, you know, um, you're close to the beach, so we want more money. And they get to exert authority over another person. They love that. In fact, that's why you go into politics. You like controlling other people. Ironically, that is the most common form of reason that people go into the nursing profession. Really? Weird little thing. Yeah. Now, for me, I just need to graduate high school. (laughs) So... You know, you know, my story is a little bit, a little bit different than that. I was fighting to get out of the nursing. I really don't want to control anybody, but, uh, but yeah, that's a fine control. Uh, nurses usually control freaks. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been a big, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I've never been a big fan. It really depends on the nurse that you get. Like I still remember when I had uh, emergency surgery back in 2001, I was in the hospital for about five days. And I hadn't been taking pain medicine for the last few days. I really don't like taking medicine or pain, specifically pain medicine. I like to duff it out because I'm a man. And uh, (laughs) this lady, man, it was my last night in the hospital. Knew it was my last night. And she was like trying to push the morphine on me. You sure you don't want some morphine? I'm like, lady, shut up. It's the middle of the night. Let me go back to sleep. I got morphine right here. I'm like, knock it off. She just was like, Oh man, man, people waking people up in the middle of the night is my pet peeve as a nurse. So I'll be there and I'll be like, Hey, can you be quiet? And they'll be like, well, I'm and I'm like, yeah, I'm an RN too, but you can come in here and do that quiet. Sleep is the most important thing to this patient. But there's this weird thing. Again, it's all about control. And I'm not saying every nurse out there. So don't give me if you're like, Hey, my wife's a nurse and she's not, Find whatever that was sexist. You know. My wife's the nurse. You're <laughs> well, a nurse. Of course, your that, name is that Peyton. Kind of is. I'm so. a male nurse. I'm a sexist male nurse. Yeah, I and your name think, is Peyton. So I think your parents were confused. I think perhaps that being in the nursing field and being pretty much surrounded by women that whole time, apparently it's more of a thing that guys go into. But uh, I mean, I, I weren't the case when I was going through school. So. But, you know, it's funny because, uh, yeah, man, like, that's a thing. Like, they'll come in and they'll be loud, like, almost intentionally loud. For me, it's kind of like a, yeah, whatever, you know, come, 
You don't got to do that when you come into a room. And you don't got to wake people up all the time. Like you can do things when people are sleeping. You got to wake them up. I take your blood pressure while you're asleep. Take your temperature while you're asleep. You know? I guess. I don't know. A week you have to take your temperature. All wake I know up. is that lady was so pushing the morphine on me. I'm like, dude, check. Leave me alone. Don't need no morphine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if, weird, man. if we were in Long Beach, they'd be like, yeah, give me the morphine. Come on. More morphine. More morphine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, should we get into uh, today's topic since I don't have any smack? Since we're all out of smack? I'm out of smack. All right, Doc, kick us off. Actually, I don't think I'm in the right screen for Doc to kick us off. All right, Doc, now you can. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So uh, today's topic is what to do when your core team is chomping at the bit and you know it's just not time. It's too soon. The, The bun needs to go back in the oven. That baby is premature in six months. I don't want to six. I don't want to be a NICU with my church plant. My my gestation period hasn't run its full course. I mean, I need to see you know Lenugo and hair on that baby. I want a hairy baby, man. I want a fully cooked baby. You know, the the longer the baby stays in, the more hairy it is, right? Okay, that's a that's a little nursing tidbit for you there. But anyways, yeah, man. What do you do? Because uh, you know, I got this this question today. Hey. Um, how much do we value health over, you know, speed? And I think, you know, right now there's a lot of talk about multiply, multiply, multiply. And I don't know if you know this, but like when you're raising funds, people like figures. They like, you know, hey, we're going to plant 200 churches by the year 2025. Doesn't matter it's 2018. Doesn't matter you haven't planted one church. Just matters that you say that and it sounds good and everyone goes, ooh, ah. But it's probably not going to happen. Now, if you plant a couple churches, that's rad. But there's this talk right now, which I'm glad the conversation shifted, but I kind of also think that the danger that we run is talking about multiplication and not doing anything. But feeling that pressure, oh, we didn't get our 200 church plants out by 2025. Quick, hurry, plant. You know, or people start trying to fit this weird schedule of church planting that's not realistic. And so what I want to talk about is how soon. Now, I've done a church planning minute. If you've never gone to my Ninja Church Planner, uh, Ninja Church Planning channel on YouTube, um, definitely go there. Just search Ninja Church Planter and you'll find my YouTube channel. I actually do a church planning minute. Those are like my my little nuggets, my maxims, my um, you know little kind of pithy uh, presentations. And what what I would say is I've got one on there and it's called the core team. And it's Peyton, how how long should I train my core team? Well, the answer to that, that I like to give, and we've talked about this before, is anywhere from six to 12 months. I think that you need time leading up to building relationships, getting to know one another, um, 
you know, kind of laying down uh, your values, your maxims, things that are going to guide your church plant. But what can happen sometimes, this is kind of where the question comes from, is what if your, your church planning team is antsy? What if they're like, hey, um, we're ready to go. And, you know, um, why are we why are we taking so long? Mm. Why, why aren't we getting off the ground now? Why, why is, you know, hey, come on, we're here for three months. Let's go. And you remember, Pete, like when we came into Refuge Long Beach, um, I walked into a situation where there was a failing satellite campus. Um, there were maybe, uh, you know, in the, in the time before I got there, when I would go, there would be maybe 10 to 12 people there. Wasn't very many. Then I don't know if you were there when I first got there, but news had kind of come back. I was off the mission field. A bunch of people came, and I had that series of <laughs> kind of the scorpions for their backs. I, I call it my eat my flesh and drink my blood speeches, where I was like trying to get rid of the crowd because I knew if you're here to hear me preach, because you like my preaching, when I come home from the mission field and preach at the mothership, you, you know, you're here for the wrong reason. So I want to get rid of all those people. Right. I was like, Hey, you know, just, I, I promised them blood, sweat and tears. I made threats that their kids would see lesbians kissing, um, holding hands that they would watch people withdraw off, off of heroin. All this happened, by the way, <laughs> I warned them you'll see people demon possessed that happened, you know, on multiple occasions. So, you know, I kind of warned them, hey, and, and I was trying to get rid of consumers because you don't want consumers to come with you. Problem is you normally almost always get consumers when you're starting off with your core team. So therefore, you've got to train them into missionaries. Jesus spends three years training the 12 before he releases them to, you know, unleashes them on the world to do damage with the gospel. So you've got to train your people. Now, Jesus trained those guys three years. Obviously, they're going to be better trained spending 24-7 with Jesus for three years than your core team. is. Let's just get real, right? You're never going to train your core team as well as Jesus trained his. But like Jesus, it's going to take time. You know, they might have been like, Lord, you know, why three years? Why didn't Jesus come? Take those guys aside. Kick down to them for a month or two. Tell them the vision. Hey, guys, here's our vision frame. Here's our plan. Here's what we're going to do. And then, boom, die on the cross, raise from the dead, and go. I mean, why, why couldn't it have just been that easy? We had a lot to train them. He had things that they had to learn. They had to fail. They had to observe him. They had to listen to him. That took time. The only reason is time. It took more time than just a quick you know, hey, guys, listen to these sermons, um, get the vision, and go. Most of the stuff that says Jesus trained them in says he told them this at the time, but they did not understand it. <laughs> Jesus would even get impatient and say, hey, how long must I bear with you? How, how long, how, how slow to understand and slow of heart to believe are you? He, he knew that he was going to have to keep saying things because it wasn't about what they know. It wasn't they had read a church planning book or a book about Jesus and now they're ready. It was about a transformational process that happens to people on the way. And that's what it is for your team. It's got to be a transformational process. 
So what's the uh, what's it look like as you're saying it's got to be a transformational process? I mean, you got to give me something deeper than that. Yeah. What does it mean? Well, I intend to, but I figured I I probably shouldn't talk because you know I get going. Um, you usually don't listen to me anyway, so feel free. <laughs> well, what I want to hear, I, I will I will get into that specifically. But I mean, you're an example, right? I mean, you started off with me. You and I had had some conversations. How would you say that you transformed during that time that you were with us? Ah, uh, you know, that's a tough question. I mean, I for because you did. I don't know. Well, I don't no, know if you observe it in yourself, but you definitely changed. Well, no, I went from at the beginning because uh, I, I still remember when we were still meeting over at the Emmanuel Church or. I don't know if it was a church or a street, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. We're meeting Sunday nights, just so you guys know, at a place called Emanuel Presbyterian down on Zimino in uh, Long Beach. Kind of on the edge, almost almost Belmont Shores, uh, not quite yet getting into the heart of Long Beach. Yeah, and I still remember, like, you and I had been talking on the phone and, and – uh, I had to do something one Sunday night. And so I was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, just so you know, I, I won't be there Sunday night. And, and you, the way you handle it, you're like, oh, look, it's totally cool. I understand if you can't make it this one time or something like that. But I remember like your reaction was something like almost like you just were like almost expecting me. Yeah, you, you're going to want to come to this. I mean, why would you want to miss this kind of a thing? And I remember thinking, huh, that's kind of interesting because I hated church at that time. I mean, I hated church. I looked for every excuse in the world to not go. Um, I mean, church church can be awfully boring when you grow up in the church and it's the same show every week, just a, a different message slightly, right? I mean, I had a lifetime of that. I quit going to church in college because it was stupid. I was like, I quit going to chapel. Like at Biola, you got to go to chapel three days a week. And if you don't, you can't enroll the next semester until you do uh, chapel makeups. So I actually figured out the way to get out of having to do chapel makeups because I was like, I was done. Like just done mentally. Not done with God, just done with the church thing. It was so boring to me. And for me, the change came when we literally got out of Emmanuel onto the front lines. Right. And it was because you could see it, right? I mean, like we're literally meeting in a park. Like you can't go from a church building with, you know, all the typical churchy stuff to now we're meeting in the middle of the park and like this, I still remember that first uh, meeting on uh, September 11th. And this gal is like doing something, like waving her hands or something. I'm like, dude, that chick is possessed. <laughs> like, I could just <laughs> tell, right? I'm like, it was our second week. It was our second was week. Was it the second week or the yeah. first? All I remember is I was like, that chick is possessed. <laughs> second week in the park. And she was. Um, and it was just, you know, like, just, just to give you guys a. Welcome, a, a, welcome a to church planning, <laughs> you know? Just to give you a taster, so like I'm a psych nurse, right? I, I, I you know, I've done all different rotations, but that that's where I worked. Um, but you know, uh, you know, I I quickly assessed her, and when I had a chat, I just say, "Hey, come on over here, come talk to me." We walk over there, and she looks at me, and she says, 
And th- this is crazy talk for some of you on here. You know, my, my Baptist brothers are going to be like, dude, what are you, what are you talking about, Willis? Um, but she looks at me and she goes, you're a warrior. Now, if, if you know, if you've ever been in exorcisms, the demons talk to you. Um, the term warrior in um, demonic, uh, in exorcisms, in the supernatural, in spiritual warfare, the warrior means it's somebody who uh, deals with exorcisms, confrontation. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's a term. I don't know how to put it, um, but it's, it's a term that is used for people that engage a lot in spiritual warfare. And so when she said that right away, I was like, okay, you know, and, and I started talking to her and I could feel the Lord just putting on my heart, you know, no, not today. And I had all this compassion and love for her just flood me. You know, and I knew it was the Lord. And I, I, I told her, I said, you know, I mean, worship's going on. I'm getting ready to go out and preach. It was a total distraction to pull me off course. Nobody on my core team was ready to handle exorcism. And I'll tell you the mistake I made in, in, uh, with Long Beach in a second. It was a calculated mistake. I made it on purpose, but I made it. And it was a mistake. But it, it's kind of what I did. Um, but I... Uh, I just looked at her and said, you know, you're going to be set free. And, and I was speaking to the girl. And I said, but unfortunately, it's not today. You know, um, and, and Jimbo was there. Um, a couple other, I think Ruben was there. And I, Mike might have been there. I mean, it's kind of like we, we, we had these, these guys that were kind of, it was like the three, man. Like they were always there, you know. And I just looked at the guys and said, look, I, I got to preach. I, I can't do this now. Um, there's lost people here. I, I you know, I've, I've got to preach the gospel. And I felt like it was a distraction. Like I could have been very tempted. Remember that, that Paul ignored the demoniac for three days, right? Until he finally turned around and did the exorcism. And I would just say that, you know, as, as you, you know, these are things that your core team has, like they have to learn this. Like you can't teach this stuff in a classroom. They have to experience, they have to go in to brief. Um, you have to go away and say, you know, do you remember when, you know, Jesus is debriefing with them stuff? Do you remember, uh, you know, when, when the people were there and I gave them loaves, you know, apply that faith here. Another time Jesus is like, they're like, Lord, how come after the exercise, how come we couldn't, they want to talk about it. How come we couldn't, uh, get that done, you know? And he's like, well, you know, this kind comes out with prayer and fasting. So this isn't meant to be a derail topic into exorcism. But what I'm saying is your people often, just like you, church planner, think you're more ready than you are. They often think they're more ready than they actually are. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the, the danger in running out all half cocked, ready to, you know, go take on Vader. Um, and you get your butt kicked and your arm chopped off, you know, or your hand chopped off. Just like I, I had to do that. See what I did? <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to work a Star Wars record. I guess. Sure. But, but that's, you know, Yoda's like, hey, you're not ready yet. And he's like, no, I'm totally ready. And, uh, you know, that's if, if you watch, that's what I love about, like, the Star Wars movies. Anakin always thinks he's more ready to go than he is. Right. And Obi-Wan's like, hey, I was the same, you know, um, when you taught me, tells Yoda, like, 
it's just a pattern. Luke is that way. Everybody always thinks they're more ready hey. than they are. How about those midichlorians, huh? huh? <laughs> they're off the chart in this guy. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because God is so merciful and he's so good to all of us that, you know, he. I just think, I actually believe, Pete, that most of what ministry ends up being, your first pastor, is just a way for God to break you. It's just a way to get you to finally surrender to him. So church planner, if you're out there right now and you're just struggling and you're like, oh, nothing's going right and what am I doing wrong? And a lot of times it's just you're just wrestling with the angel and God's like, are you done? You done yet? You done trying? Because you start off thinking, I'm going to be the best, you know, wait till they get a load of me. Um, You know, I'm going to be, you know, uh, we we made this video for the Sin Network for the assessment. And I just watched it yesterday, and it is seriously one of the funniest things. Dan Torres and Bo Moffat, I should send you this clip. They do this talk show, and it's like a Christian talk show, and it's all done 80s, like the 80s icons, the 80s type of film quality. They keep showing clips of the 80s audience out there clapping and uh, cheering or going, no. you know. So they must use like infomercial footage or whatever, but it's funny as heck. And so Bo's interviewing Dan, and Dan's like this church planner that thinks he's awesome. And, um, and so we totally make fun of church planners as they're going, you know, and this is to train the assessors who are assessing church planners. And, you know, because often we just think, Hey, you know, I'm like the guy with the gold chain medallion, open, open shirt with a wide collar, you know, now it's tight, skinny jeans and faux hawk or whatever it is. And tattoos, you know, I'm the cool hit pastor and wait till the world sees me and, you know, that, that'll make all the difference. Can I actually be a pastor because I'm so cool? You know, that'll bring people to Jesus. And, and, and the reality is God's going, okay, cool guy, knock yourself out. Give it your best. Go for it. You know, apart from me, you can do nothing, but you haven't learned that yet. So, okay, you know, I'm going to, like a drowning man, I'm going to let you exhaust yourself. And when you surrender, I'll save you. I'll come, I'll come in and jump in and fish you out. And I think a lot of ministry is like that for us as planners. And so when our people are like, come on, dude, let's go, let's go. If you let the tail wag the dog, you're setting yourself and them up for failure. They are so far from ready. You're not ready. More or less, they're not ready. So what what I like to say is kind of that Maxim I use in the, the church planning ninja videos that are on YouTube. By the way, go there, like them, share them. Thank you. Um, if you can, that's what I'm trying to build up right now is my YouTube channel. So, uh, if you, if you want to help, help a brother out, go there and do that. See what I did there, Pete? That's yeah. My I saw you're a racist right there, but you know, who's counting? <laughs> yeah. You didn't share and like my video. Oh, leave a comment on it too. We, we used to tell you to do this for this podcast. We don't do that anymore. Do we? We gave up. They quit liking we did. us. We're yesterday's news, man. Almost six years, Pete. Almost six years. All I can say to that is six of the longest years of my life. <laughs> that that picture that that guy sent of uh, Kung Fu Panda, where you're the little dude, yeah, you know, or I'm the little dude, and it's kicking you up. And I was like, that is such a that's almost a prophetic picture right there. That was Kirk. <laughs> Just saying. Pretty good. So 
anyways, you know, the, the reality is, um, so, so here's the thing. There's a couple things you need to do. You need to eat meals together, right? Like the reason that I think that, that time is important. If you look at Paul, right, he's traveling all around Asia minor, um, Asia, he's traveling, you know, eventually he's going on to Spain, but he's got a team around him and he's spending time on the road. That's what Jesus did. Like you and I, um, if, if we really want to get to know each other, we go on a road trip, right? And forget dinner, forget a cup of coffee. We go on a road trip, right? And then we really bond, you know, if that's what you do. So if, if you and I were to get to know one another, right, um, we take a road trip. That's what Paul was doing with these guys. He was spending time. They were, they were experiencing life day in, day out. You need that for your core team. You also need to eat together. Eating is another way of getting to know each other, right? Just what I like about eating together as a core team, like I hate when guys do this. They go, I'm going to have my core team. And we're going to rent out, you know, the community hall and we're going to meet for six months before we launch in the community hall. And I'm always thinking, why? Like, that's a sucky venue to do anything that builds relationship, right? Starbucks, not great. I mean, good to sit and have a cup of coffee, but you're conscious of the view. No, someone's home. It's private. It's warm. When I go into someone's home, there's a sense of I've gotten beyond a certain barrier. I'm in your house. We're friends. Like I can meet with it. I meet with business contacts in Starbucks, right? I mean, I can meet my insurance salesman in Starbucks, but when I'm meeting in my home with people on a regular basis, that's friendship, right? So you need to kind of bond together in an atmosphere that fosters relationship. And and one of the reasons that you need a home is a, it's really easy to eat. I say that you bring, you know, potluck, yada yada. Don't put it all on one person unless they're like, hey, I got a crazy gift of hospitality. and I'd be hurt if you didn't let me make all the food. But you can bring croutons for the salad. You can bring drinks. But you you want to be able to pray. You want people to have the freedom to break down and cry because this is, this is what I always tell people on a core team. Number one, go through gospel-centered life. Um, you'd be amazed how many people come to your core team that want to go take the gospel to people in theory. Don't actually understand the gospel. Don't actually know the gospel. Have never heard the gospel accurately preached. And guys, I come from a movement that prides itself on good Bible teaching. And I hardly ever heard the gospel there. Mm. Right? It was always, you know, you should and don't. And if I listen to the radio now on that radio station, I hear oftentimes, I'm not I'm not saying always, there's a lot of good gospel guys in that in that movement, but often I don't hear that Jesus paid it all for you. You know, don't perform. Don't. I mean, gospel-centered movement is is kind of, man, 20-something years ago, I was preaching at at my church in re- Refuge, you know, some mega church, and I was the interim pastor for a year, and I'm preaching grace, and I'm going through Ephesians, and people are like, people are having personal revival because it was just putting them back in touch with the gospel. People were starving for that, and our church grew. Like it started growing during an interim, which almost never happens. And it was simply because the gospel is being preached and people were eating it up. And so your people need the gospel. So you're going to need to spend time making sure they understand that. But then your values, like, and I don't mean like values like, you know, here everybody, here's our five values, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
I mean, like, they need to see him in operation. They need to hear you every week until they get it. Like I said, the disciples didn't get stuff. Your people aren't going to get stuff. Um, when I planted, there was a woman. The day I left, they were tight. We had been on holiday with this couple. My very last day, I'm going back to America. It's my last Sunday at Pillar Church. And I sit down because we sat around coffee tables. They were at our coffee table with some of our best friends. She looks at me and goes, I think I'm just beginning to realize what you're trying to do here. Because <laughs> I just said the vision again on my last day. Maybe that day she was just paying attention more. It was emotional. And it was, but I was, I was stunned. And I thought, man, I will take that as a lesson. And no matter how many times I share the vision, I lay down the maxims, I talk about it. People don't always get it. And so that was huge for me. That was a ginormous takeaway. And, and you just need to know that. You need to know that, you know, your, your people, it's going to take some time for them to get this stuff. And that's okay. And it, it, six months, nine months, a year. What you thinking, Pete? Just listening. I heard you breathing heavy. I thought maybe that was an intake of breath, like, like you're about to say something, but you're just breathing heavy. <sighs> Every once in a while, I get these calls, and it's like, and it's usually, you know, it's call blocked, but I think it's Pete calling from his other number. Can I say that? Can't say that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, how I've gotten you to take most of my calls is I actually have to borrow someone else's phone so my name doesn't pop up on <laughs> caller ID. Important man of God, see? Don't have time, see? Can't talk today, see? You know, it's funny because, um, you know, all these things, it's really important to um, – just, just to spend that time. And then the other thing is to go on mission. You know, you, you need to be going on mission with your people. So there's things that you need to teach. They need to get it. Like for me, I would say things like you can't take your pets to war. And I don't know how many times I said that in the beginning where people would be added to our core team and they come in and they'd be like, oh, you know, I'm super into Israel. Or I'm, and I've mentioned all this. This is kind of like a bringing together some of the other podcasts. But, oh, I'm into this. I'm into that. And it's kind of like I would watch the other members kind of smile. Like they knew what was coming, you know, they knew what was coming was it was going to be, Hey, that's cool. You know, there's, I think that church, um, in the next town over, they really are into that. You should, you should go there. Um, you'd be so happy there. You know, I don't think you're going to be happy here because, um, you know, we're, we don't, and I would say, this is how blind I'd be. I'd be like, I don't care about that at all. <laughs> It'd be like, well, but it's in, oh, I'm sure it is important. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure it's important. It's just not important to me. And I'm not here to plan a church that's about that. I'm here to plan a church. I have my calling from God to lift up and glorify Jesus and to reach the lost. Anything else I focus on is in the way. And they'd be like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just telling you, I think you'll be frustrated here if that's your big priority. But, you know, it's cool that you visited. I mean, it's great to hear your heart. It's just not our heart. I mean, we're all here for that reason to just go do that. And sometimes we'd have people go, oh, well, that's kind of cool. You know, it's not always as cold as it sounds. Sometimes people, other times people just leave and more often people would leave. But oftentimes, you know, people would 
kind of stick around. I'm kind of because glad it's that you part brought of the that, training. I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because um, I really would like us to start turning our podcast towards uh, Israel, and I, <laughs> I think that's what we should be focusing on from now on. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think we'll do that. We'll start calling it the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, I had a rad conversation with a guy this week. It was like, he's like, hey, so how do I know all this Bible stuff is true? And he's kind of a younger believer, and uh, he's one of my neighbors. And we were chatting, and I, I said, well, man, Israel. And I go, you just can't get away from the fact that there's this group of people that stopped existing, and they came back into existence after you know thousands of years. And that's pretty rad, don't you think? And he's like, well, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, well, I mean... Look, I mean, I read commentaries from the 1800s, and they're trying to figure it out. Like, hey, dude, like, you know, like that's where all that Israel's the church spiritualized interpretation. It came because they couldn't see how it could be physical Israel. That was the only interpretation they could possibly figure out. Well, the Israel must be the church in the New Testament. And then, lo and behold, Israel becomes a nation, and all those prophecies start to make sense. I think that's important. I do. I think it's important. I think it's incredible. I think it's probably the first place you ought to go when you're talking with someone who asks that question. Well, you know, that makes me think, I don't know about you, never happened before or since in history, but here's this thing, there's all these prophecies about Israel as a nation, and here they are again. So, you know, the, it, it, it just wasn't going to be our focus. And so the core team has to spend time as well, and this is kind of the key here. They have to start to become like what Paul talks about in Philippians, be of one mind. Have the mind of Christ. That's what I want to see. I want to see people learning to be humble. I want to. I want them to create an atmosphere of grace. I want them that when people walk in, grace just fills the room. This is what I love, is when someone comes in and they're talking like all self-righteous and super holy, that it's funny to my core team. It's funny. It's not even threatening anymore. It's just funny. Because they're like, <laughs> you know, like we, we understand grace now. Like that might have been intimidating years ago, but gosh, man, we are so not there. Like that has no effect. It's a, you know, I'm like Superman. It's like a bullet just bounced on my chest. I got the righteousness of Christ on me now. You, you, you can, I just find that comical. I find it laughable. I'm sure Jesus laughs at self-righteousness. It, it's just funny when you understand the gospel it's worth. So I love when there's an atmosphere and you saw this, Pete. Um, and like I said, the mistake that I made with refuge was I launched us at three months and I paid a little bit of a price for that. To be honest, um, I would have been more comfortable launching nine months, eight months in. So I sacrificed four to five months because I, I trained my core team three months, then launched us in the park. No, I did it. I did it because September is such a great time to, to launch a church. Now, some people like Easter. Some people like January. Some people like Christmas. For me, I could just feel September's the time. September's the time. And lo and behold, you know our story. September 11th was a big day for us because God turned up and it. people thought it was a 9-11 memorial service. So, you know, when I look back on that, I'm like, man, that's, that, was, that was a good call for us. But to be honest, you know, when I'm looking at um, people talking about what they're going to do for um, their launch, 
make sure you've got enough runway. Any more than a year, your people are going to get restless. Any less than six months, I just, I use a baby, you know, um, you know, <laughs> often babies take 10 months, right? It's not really nine, it's nine and a half months. And then if the baby's born a little bit later, a couple weeks here and there, you know, you're into 10 months. So I think roughly that's a good time. And I, my very first church plant was eight months and that was just right. You know, eight months, nine months, perfect. Any longer than I think your team's right to say, hey, when are we going to do this? Why aren't we doing anything? You know, like, well, is this ever going to happen? But prior to that, it's it's too soon. Yeah. Cool. I dig it. Yeah. So tell me, when you're about ready to launch, who do you It's coming on? up, brother. Who do you lean on to help you with payroll and IRS compliance and taxes and workers comp, all that good stuff? Who do I use? Who do you use? I wouldn't use anyone other than SimplifyChurch.com. SimplifyChurch. What's happening? What just happened? SimplifyChurch.com. They handle all of your bookkeeping needs, your payroll your will invent an invisible assistant for you that will come and shine your shoes at night. I mean, they do it's everything. an invisible assistant, not a virtual assistant. This no, guy is invisible. invisible. No, they're invisible. And it's kind of like the shoemakers elf stuff just gets done and you don't know how it happened. You're like, how in the heck did that happen? It's like, it was simple. Like simplified church came and did it. That's right. Ladies and G's. The Simplified Church Elves, or fairies, if you're so inclined that way, came in the middle of the night and did all that work for you. So check out SimplifiedChurch.com. Let them simplify your church plan. Hey, by the way, speaking of Simplified Church, did you see the new trailer for the Avengers 4 movie? No, but Barry did text me with a huge amounts of caps and exclamation marks. No, no, trailer came out. I think he was besides himself. <laughs> I pictured him peeing his pants as he was texting me. He's like, I just got the key to my first house. Not nearly as important as this. Woohoo! <laughs> Dude, it was pretty good. It's going to be a good movie. Yeah? That's all I'm oh, saying. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert if you didn't watch the first one, half the world dies. <laughs> I just don't understand why Thanos didn't just double the amount of resources in the universe. He had all the stones. Oh, d- dude, you just you just ruined that movie for everybody. Why didn't he just? I mean, he's like, there's not enough resources in the universe. We got to kill half the people. Well, why don't wow, you just dude. double the resources in the universe? Problem solved. Dude, that's rad, man. <laughs> I just, but anyway, still a good movie. Well, you know, we have these same things with Star Wars. The only time you don't ever feel that I is... I put The Last Jedi up with the Christmas special. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you ever watched those, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get you. It was pretty bad. Um, I've tried watching it a couple times, Pete, to see, like, could I like it? And I just can't go there. Just just doesn't happen. Wait, which it's one? It's impossible. Last Jedi or Christmas Last Jedi. No, yeah. I think I would probably, you know, I have never you know, watched like I'm a it. Dad like the Christmas special, and be like, "Oh, Bubba Fett," and "Oh, he's cute," but I don't think that could happen with Last Jedi. I have not 
turned it. You know how it's free on Netflix, and I won't watch it. Luke you keeps know, going. Luke keeps going. Can we watch it? And I'm like, no, we can't. No, we don't watch. Those <laughs> I need Netflix shows, to know I'm giving no money to the Last Jedi. I am not hitting play. It's amazing. For the first time in history, a Star Wars movie goes to Netflix. That just says something, right? No, there. Rogue One was on it before. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And that was a rad movie. That was really good. I mean, the end of that movie. The end of that movie. Oh my gosh. Eh. The Darth Vader scene. <gasps> oh, Rogue One. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, when he's coming through the 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 airlock. Yep. Oh my gosh, dude. One of the best. That is one of my best all-time Star Wars. But that line, even then, you could see like glimpses of the Last Jedi, where he's like, "Don't choke on your what was it your your expectations or whatever." After he's done choking, it was like that corny yuck 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 yuck. And you're like, no, you know, don't don't ruin Vader again. Yeah. So anyway, folks. Uh... <laughs> we thought the end of the show came, but we're Pete done. threw something out. I I had to bite on it. <laughs> we're done. So why don't you give him the tagline so we can? We're done. Well, thanks for joining us here for the Church Planner uh, podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your ride today. Thank you for keeping your arms, legs, and all limbs and appendages inside the vehicles at all times. Uh, if you do get hurt, please email Pete at churchplannermag.com. Go straight to the trash. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Remember, if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music